We've been in this series, and first off, I, didn't get, I usually I like to introduce myself. My name is Mark, and I get to serve here on staff um, with a great team. And if you're a guest with us today, welcome. We are so glad to have you. Let's welcome our guests, guys. We've been in this series, Refocus, and it's getting us ready. Next week, I'm going to share with you where our church is moving, headed, the direction we have. And in that, we've been talking about how a lot of us, we need to come to sometimes just a refocus and a revision and just getting some new clarity in our own lives. Um, As we're doing that as a church, it's important for y'all to think about those things as well. Um, And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me mention these, some of these dumb things that I really like. Um, Yeah. And so y'all know, like I always say, I love cookies, like, and the cookies I usually say I love are Oreos. But there's one cookie I love way more than that. There's one cookie I love way more than that. And it's my wife's chocolate chip cookies. I think, so I met her. I'm like, she's cute. She's really nice. And then she made cookies. (laughs) And I was like, let's get the ring on this finger. Because butter and sugar is a way to my heart. So I love some cookies. And my wife has, you know, passed down some of those baking jeans to my, my daughters and my son loves to bake as well. And I'm a little fearful because I'm like, you better not make some good cookies because we don't need some guys messing around around here. Like leave. <laughs> but my, my daughter at one point, a couple years ago, she's like, I'm going to make some cookies. I'm never going to turn that down. Go for it. And so she's making cookies and she's usually good in the kitchen. I've got no real worries And you know when you smell chocolate chip cookies in the house, and you're like, this is going to be a glorious day. That's what I always think. This is great. And then the cookies come out, and they weren't burnt. There was nothing wrong with them. She had kind of mixed up baking soda and baking powder. (laughs) And you can make cookies with either. You've just got to get the right measurements and she didn't change the measurements. She's like, we're out of this, so I'll just use this. It's kind of the same. Not the same. So instead of chocolate chip cookies, we had hockey puck cookies. If you've ever done this, they're, they're flat and hard and they just don't turn out the same way. And all of that, I'm getting this smell and now I just want cookies and I get these out. And it, as a dad, you try to be nice. But you also ask, what happened? Like, what what's going on? And she tells us, and she's, she's, like I said, she's great in the kitchen, but if she runs out of something, she tends to just try to find something else to replace it with. She's done it before, and it just doesn't turn out as you expected. You sit down, and you expect one thing, and you're like, ah, you got off course, and it actually turned into something that was not what was expected. And the reason I bring this up is today we're going to be talking about clarity, and we're going to talk about how Maybe we have an idea and we have a vision of how something should go and we get a little off course and it just doesn't turn out the way that you had hoped. But today my goal and my prayer is that we get back on course and we get back to the direction that God wants us to go, that we have new clarity, that we understand where he's leading us and where he's taking us and that we don't have lives that when somebody comes to him like, what happened? Kind of like those cookies, like what happened? I don't want a life like that. I want a life that somebody's like, instead of the what happened, they turned out like hockey pucks. It's the what happened to you? And it's Jesus got a hold of my life. 
And today, we're going to continue in our Bibles in Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a passage that we started in last week, and I'm going to reread the whole entire thing again. Um, We're going to pick up, though, from where we started. But Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26 is where we are. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside the village. And when he spit on the man's eyes, which, like we said last week, is disgusting, um, but it's Jesus. He gets to do what he wants. Jesus said, do you see anything? And this is where we left out, and we stopped and paused our message last week. Because a lot of times when Jesus healed people, they were just healed. They were done. Healing, done. But this time, we, we stated this last week. We said, Jesus wasn't just doing a miracle. He was also teaching his disciples a lesson. And he is also trying to teach us a lesson in this miracle. Because Jesus, he used a lot of his teachings to teach lessons. But sometimes he actually used his miracles to show us something. And he's showing us something that we're going to talk about today. He says, the man looked up. He says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything Clearly, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So Jesus does this thing and he asks him this question, what do you see? What do you see? It seems like a, a, a kind of a strange question and the man's like, I can, I can see, but everything seems kind of blurry. Now, I want you to just try to put yourself in the shoes of this, this man He's blind. Jesus comes. There's a miracle. He can see. If I could all of a sudden see, I don't know about y'all, but I'd be like, I, it's, it's blurry, but I can see. Like, it, it, things look weird, but I, I can see. And he could have settled for saying, well, I can see. He could have just settled there. He had vision, but he still lacked clarity. And sometimes we have vision from God. We have an idea from God, but we still lack clarity. And what I don't want us to do is just to settle for, okay, I've got restored sight. We need to push in and say, Jesus, I need a second touch. I need clarity. I need clear direction on where I need to be going. So Jesus sees the partial man's sight, his partial sight, and he doesn't leave him in that state. Jesus could have said, hey, did good, pretty decent. All right, good enough. Go on your way. That's pretty good. Jesus is not... God is not the God of good enough. He's the God of wholeness and completion. He doesn't want to leave us where we tend to settle sometimes. Eh, That's good enough. That's not where Jesus wants to take us. He wants to lead us to, again, a place of completion where healing makes whole, where our vision is crystal clear. And we have to sometimes, we look at this miracle and we have to say, why? Why a second touch? Why didn't he just do it the first time? And first and foremost, we have to understand this is not some kind of thing where Jesus didn't have enough power to do this. Okay, Jesus can raise the dead with his voice. He can tell the seas and the wind to just stop it and it stops. He could heal people from a distance with just his word. So it wasn't something that it was, he wasn't able to do something. Again, he was trying to teach us and his disciples. You guys, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, but you're still lacking clarity. His disciples had an idea of who Jesus was going to be. 
They pictured him as this Messiah that was going to be the king sitting on an earthly throne. Remember, they would fight with each other. Who gets to sit on your left and your right? And they had this kind of misunderstanding of who Jesus was. The Pharisees, the religious people, had a misunderstanding of who Jesus was. They kind of had an idea, but they also wanted to fight with him all the time. And he was showing both. He's like, you have an idea, but you don't completely see. And you're kind of like this blind man who, yeah, you've got kind of a, a facade of what you're seeing, but I want to bring you to a different level of clarity. One touch brought improvement, but the continuous engagement with this gentleman brought completion to his life. And this is what I want us to know. A single encounter with God, a single encounter with God can be transformative, but it's the ongoing relationship that brings growth, that brings clarity. A lot of times, like I said, we lack clarity in our life. Maybe you had a dream and you had an idea, but then you lacked clarity on how to make that happen. In our walk with God, there's times when we experience his touch and we still don't feel like we're completely complete. We, we experienced a moment with Jesus, but it feels like that moment seems distant in the past and we need something new in our life. And he is right there saying, okay, what do you see? And sometimes we're just willing to say, well, I, I see good enough. And he's like, man, just say things don't look right yet and I need you again. And we need to come to a process where we're continually giving up ourselves to become more like Jesus. It's a basic process, just simple enough. I'm going to give you the most basic definition of sanctification. It's the process of surrendering myself more, surrendering myself more, and becoming more like Christ. We want to have a, a this process called sanctification. It's just every day saying, I'm dying to myself so Jesus can just be the one that my life is pouring into, that I'm becoming more like, that I'm saying I want less of me and more of Christ. So the man sees people. He sees that they look like trees. Sometimes this can just represent and show our partial understanding. We don't see in full, we see in part. But we still, maybe at one point, you had this amazing healing from a past of hurt and wound, but you still don't have clarity. You still struggle a little bit with doubts, with anger. And moments of partial understanding can be difficult to understand. Here's what I want us to know. God does not want just good enough in our lives. He wants us to see clearly. He wants us to understand why, and he wants us to live in abundance. And this isn't just a feel-good message. This is what Jesus wants for us. It's the truth of Scripture that we see all throughout. And remember, a life that's free and abundance doesn't mean it's going to be simple and easy. We're still going to have things that we struggle with and things we have to stand for, but he wants to be there with us that's just continually touching and saying, okay, how do you see now? How do you see now? Where can I take you now? The enemy that we have wants us to live differently. He wants us to live blurred, with our vision messed up, with our life blurred, partial vision, to be happy without being holy. We talked about that last week. But Christ has said, I want you to push in, to expect more. The thing that always catches me in this passage, Jesus heals him. He says, what do you see? And the man says, I see men looking like trees. 
Here's what I always catch in this. The man at some point was able to see. Because it says he restored his vision. So at some point, he must have had some kind of sight. And the thing is, there are times when we've had some kind of vision and an idea of what Jesus wants to do in our life. We had a dream, we had an idea, and we lost it. Jesus wants to restore that thing in your life. He wants to bring it back. And he wants to bring it back totally, not blurry, but with complete clarity. So today, I want to talk about having clarity But I believe that there's four areas that sometimes our enemy wants to keep us messed up in. And he wants to blur our focus in. And he wants to keep us from seeing clearly. And he's going to use these four things. And I'm going to, I told somebody, I said, it's prop Sunday. And people are like, oh, we like like prop Sundays. Those are always fun. (laughs) But I need a human prop to begin with. So here's what I need. I'm going to to use some audience participation. And I won't call on you. I just need your help. I need two people that wear glasses, okay? And if somebody's farsighted and somebody's nearsighted, that's even better. So somebody that, you've got to be bold enough to come up here on stage, but I need somebody that's got glasses to come up here. Anna, you're raising your hand. You're already coming up here. I need one other person to come up here that's got glasses on. Somebody, here you go. Uh, make your way up here. It's, or you can jump. I don't care either way. And because I know some of y'all might not be as blind, I brought the blind guy's glasses, which is mine, and they may even be dirty to begin with. So here's what I want you to do. Come over here. How long have you been wearing glasses? Since middle school. Since middle school? How about you? As long as I can remember. As long as you can remember. So here's what I want y'all to do. Switch glasses. She says, good luck. You might not, they might have the same prescription. No, not. (laughs) How does it look? Blurry. Blurry. How does it look? Here's what I want us to see from this is the first thing. Sometimes we're wearing somebody else's prescription. Jesus has a specific thing for us. She's like, let me take these off. They're going to give me a headache. Yes. Switch it back. (laughs) But there are times What we do is we start comparing ourselves and wanting what somebody else has, and that's not your prescription. And you're taking somebody else's prescription and you're trying to see through another person's lens. Thank you, guys. You can have. So here's the first thing that we need to, that keeps us in the blur. Seeing life through someone else's prescription leaves you living in the blur of comparison. Comparison trying to live up to other people's expectations. Comparison is rampant in our society. And there's a difference between getting ideas from somebody else. There's a difference between like, uh, that's, I, I kind of like the way that they are. That's not a, the biggest deal. Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, which means he was trying to set an example for other people. So there's, no, there's nothing wrong with looking to someone Maybe as an example, the problem is when you start comparing and competing with somebody to try to be like them, or when you start living up to somebody else's expectations of who they think you should be. That's when you're taking somebody else's prescription and you're trying to make it yours. And God's trying to form you into something, and you're trying to put on somebody else's lenses, and life just never seems quite right. It can look like I want to emulate this person. I'm jealous of them, and I want to be just like them. It could also look like my parents had an expectation of who I would be. 
and I want to meet their expectation. And I want to be just the way they want me to be. Instead of, God's got something specific. He has a specific prescription for my life to see clearly. And I'm not going to try to live up to somebody else's expectation. I'm going to try to live up to the plan that God has for my life. Because otherwise, we're like these two. When they put those on, and they're like, oh. She's like, this is going to give me a headache. And some of us are walking around with spiritual headaches because we won't take off the glasses that we're trying to be like somebody else. This is what Galatians 6, 3 says, if anyone thinks they're something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. This is ta- in Galatians, this passage is talking about Jews and Gentiles, and then we're just comparing and saying, I'm better than. And Paul is wanting us to know, man, our job is not to compete and compare. Our job is to just get closer to Jesus. You know, we've probably all known someone, and maybe we're the someone that's been stuck in the expectations of others' game, trying to live up to somebody else's standards, trying to compare and compete. You know, I've had, I had a friend who, man, she desperately wanted to be like her older sister to the point that she was trying to outdo her, live life like her, do better than her, and her whole focus and drive came from living a prescription that wasn't hers. And that really can leave you lost and blurred. It's not the way that God intended for us to see. So what we have to do is say, this isn't mine. God, what do you have? Because otherwise, we kind of have, we have vision, but it's blurry. And it's not what God has for us. So we don't want to live in the blur of comparison. The other next one we don't want to live in is the enemy wants you living in the blur of distractions and distortions. Distortion and distraction. So if you're a, a 90s kid, you remember they used to have these in poster form. I hate these. If you don't know what these are, they're like these horrible pictures that you're supposed to stare at enough and some magical thing's supposed to pop out. And some people are like, I can see it right away. I'm the one that's like, I never see anything. (laughs) If any of you watch the old sitcom Seinfeld, there's a whole episode of one of the bosses. He just gets stuck trying to see the thing and he never moves because he comes hyper-focused on trying to see something. And here's why I bring this up. Some of us, what the enemy wants us to do is to focus on something that will distort our actual viewpoint to the point where we're trying to see something to blur our vision, to see something that is beyond what the normal scope should be, beyond what the normal viewpoint of what we should be viewing should be. And he wants to just fixate our eyes on something long enough that we blur our own vision up with sin, with distractions, with things that are, and then we're left, ah, look what I can see in this thing. And instead of just seeing clearly, we focus on blurs. And the enemy wants us to think, I have something special for you. Because I always was jealous of the people that could see the thing. And sometimes we get jealous of the people that look like they're sinning and having lots of fun. And he wants us, the enemy wants us to live distorted and distracted. And he wants us to just let me fixate on something that's actually causing my 
mind to see things that aren't really truly the way that they are. I got a magic eye for you, the enemy says. I want you to see something different. And we become hyper-focused on getting our eyes blurred to see something that Jesus doesn't want us to focus on to begin with. The world wants us distracted. We have so many distractions around us. And they're everywhere. We've got our phone that's constantly pinging at us and making noises. And we've got an endless supply of information and entertainment that's always accessible and available. And I'm not, man, we've got TikTok and Instagram and all these things. And I'm just as guilty as you all to sometimes you're just looking at stuff and you're like, oh, I just wasted 20 minutes looking at some stupid little reels. And then we say we're busy, you don't have enough time. No, you got stuck staring at the wrong thing for too long. And we have something that Jesus wants for us, but we just sometimes get stuck with distractions and then distortions of sin. As believers, we're called to refocus our vision, to clear away those distractions, to understand that those things are just blurring the lens of what God has for us, to know that seeing those things is temporary and fleeting and it won't lead us to anything. We've got to focus on holiness and not just happiness. And holiness means I'm going to just strive to be more like the way God wants me than the world, what they have for me. Because it's so easy to just be like, they're having fun and they're doing this stuff and I want to have fun with them doing these things. That's a distortion. That is not the world the way that God wants you to see it. God wants you to see this world as this is the kingdom that I came to set up and it's fallen right now, but you can make an impact and a difference here. This world is dark, but you are light. These are the truths and the things that God wants you to see. And the enemy wants us to just live distorted. You can think about the initial sin is what? It's the enemy giving us, giving Adam and Eve a truth distorted. Half-truths and distortions are the tricks of the devil all the time. He approaches Jesus in the wilderness. And you know what he gives him? Half-truths and distortions. He tries to help him. Let me show you something. Let me, let me see. You, you're hungry. I've got bread for you. To take his focus off, but Jesus was laser-focused and he used scripture as his guide. Guys, instead of focusing on these crazy things to get our eyes to look different, we need to focus in on scripture. We need to use that as our standard. We need to use prayer as the thing that lays our path. The third thing that can leave us all blurred up, y'all kind of probably will know where I'm going with this, is this. Many of us, we live in the blur of unforgiveness and bitterness. Jesus talked about when you don't forgive, it's like you got a log in your eye. Man, who wants me to jam this in their eye? I bet you nobody does. I don't want this jammed in my eye. He said, you see this speck in somebody else's eye and you got this big log in your own. And sometimes we can't see what God has for us clearly because all we can think about is how much this person has hurt us. We go to the Bible to study God's word and we, we go to it with a log in our eye to reaffirm and reinforce how much we already hate this other person. And we find scriptures that okay us being upset instead of saying, here's how I can be free and take this thing out. 
In Matthew 7 is where Jesus speaks about us surrendering to Jesus to allow him to heal us from that anger, from that bitterness. And bitterness, this, this, this log is, this is a big log. And it took time. My, my son ripped it off our tree, but it took time for this thing to get to this size. Sometimes we let anger and unforgiveness sit for so long that it grows. And as you let it grow, it blurs your vision even more. It messes up your sight of what you see even more. It can cause you to live with this different type of anxiety and drama. I've said this before, but I lived for a long time with bitterness and unforgiveness towards my father. He did a lot of things that weren't the most helpful as a dad. And even as an adult, I carried a lot of that. And it had been so long that it was blurring my vision of the way that I trusted people. It was blurring my vision of the way that I related to my wife and treated her. And I had to eventually go to God and say, God, I need you to help me with this and to bring clarity to my life. I need you to remove this thing. Some of you guys, today is the day when you need to say, life's a little blurry because I'm living in unforgiveness and anger and bitterness. Forgiveness is not just a command that we're given. The Bible doesn't just tell us forgiveness is not a command. It's also, it's a gift that we're given by Jesus. This is a gift. We have a gift that he's allowed us to forgive because he's forgiven us. He gave us the ultimate example of forgiveness when he carried a cross. Saying, I'm going to take all the sins of every dumb and foolish and hurtful and harmful thing that anyone is ever going to do. And I'm going to bear the weight of all of that on this cross so that we can be forgiven. And if we're forgiven, we're then called to give that gift to ourselves and to others to not carry that anymore. And Jesus, they put him on the cross. They put him in a, in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose defeating all of that. And when we partake in forgiving others, we can feel and experience a whole brand new freedom. And it feels like our life is completely refreshed. And it's a process and it could take some time, but we've got to learn. I can't live with this in my eye anymore. This is blurry. This is hard. So the last one. This last illustration I stole. I got to admit that. Sorry. We went to a conference a couple weeks ago. Oh, my water's leaking. Well, I'm going to take a drink. Let's close it. It's fine. So, this last one, like I said, I saw it at a conference a couple weeks ago and I knew we were in this series on. Clarity and vision, I'm like, this fits perfect with where we are today. So I have to use it. This puzzle is, this is only a thousand pieces. They have gigantic puzzles. I mean, if you ever put two, four, six thousand piece puzzles together, I hate puzzles so much. <laughs> I hate them. Because here's what we do. If you've ever went to buy a puzzle, you buy a puzzle because you like the picture on the what? On the box. And you see the pretty picture on the box, and you're like, I want to put that thing together. You've got a viewpoint and a vision of this thing. You're like, I like this. 
I want to put it together. My mom growing up, she would buy the Thomas Kincaid um, gigantic puzzles and she loved those things. So she, she saw the pretty picture and she wanted to put it together. And sometimes God shows us something that he wants to do in our life. He gives us an idea. He gives us a dream. Maybe it's a dream of the family that he wants you to have at some point. Maybe it's an idea of a business he wants you to start, a ministry he wants you to take part in. Maybe it's just going to scripture and you read in scripture, man, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can move mountains with your faith. And all these things are, are pretty pictures and they're visions that God is showing to us. He gives churches ideas and dreams. I want to impact communities. I want to help people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. I want people to be baptized. And it gives churches dreams and ideas and they see clarity on a box. And then here's what we have to do because Jesus gives us all the pieces. The Lord gives us all these pieces And I liked the picture, but now he's given us the task of taking the picture from this blurred up mess and start to put the things together piece by piece. And a lot of us want to give up because we see all the pieces and we live in this blur of fatigue and frustration. We get fatigued of putting the pieces together and we get frustrated of, because if I love to steal like one little piece out of the puzzle. And we get frustrated because you're like, somebody stole the piece. Nah, you just probably haven't found it yet. And we start putting the puzzle together. And sometimes when God, he gives us clarity and he shows us an idea. And when you come to a puzzle, what's the first thing you do? You start looking for the edges, right? And you feel good about yourself because the edges are pretty easy to find. You start putting them together. And maybe this is what happens a lot when people first initially get saved. And they, they come to, to Jesus and they start to build that life and they see the border and it's like, man, this is, I'm, this, things are going so great. Things are going well. Life seems good. And then they got to start putting the pieces together. And do you see what this puzzle has a lot of? Blue. <laughs> lots of blue, lots of white. And there's times in life when we start getting to the blue and the white We're like, I got to do this thing again. I got to keep putting this piece together again. I got to keep being disciplined more. I got to pray about this thing again. I got to fight this temptation again. I got to keep going through this thing again. And we start living in this blur and God's saying, no, just keep putting the piece together. Keep pushing in. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, I'm getting sick of blue. I'm going to puke blue on somebody else. And sometimes we get frustrated enough that we look at pieces and some pieces almost fit together. And we just smash them into place. And it's now, now we've really messed up because now this picture is never going to be what God has intended. And we live in the blur of, of frustration. And so we start forcing things. Because frustration can lead to us forcing stuff. It can lead to us going in directions that God didn't lead us to. And it's normal for us to get tired. Psalm 6 
It says, all night long. This is a, a psalm that it says is a music psalm. It says, all night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. That's the person that's sick and tired of putting the blue together. They're like, I just keep doing this and it seems like I'm not getting anywhere in this process. But if you read on, if you read on, it says, the Lord heard my cry for mercy. So it says, when you're in the middle of trying to put your puzzle together and you feel like you're lacking clarity, God hears it. Sometimes we need somebody else to come alongside us and say, oh, that always, that's why I hate puzzles more than anything. Because somebody else will see something like, oh, here, and they start putting it together. Sometimes we need other people to help us see things that we're not seeing in our lives. To help us see, hey, you're missing this piece. And we can't get frustrated. We got to get excited that other people are willing to pour into us. And the thing that's crazy about this puzzle type of vision is once you get the puzzle done, you know what God usually gives you? Another puzzle. He gives you a new puzzle to build. And so I want us to think through these areas and ask yourself, is one of these things blurring my vision right now and causing me to not see God in a way that he wants me to see? Is it comparison? Is it distractions and distortions? Is there unforgiveness? Or am I just tired of putting the puzzle together and I'm just, I'm just sick of this? To wrap this up, Jesus, he heals the man. And then he says, hey, don't go back. Again, the reason, maybe because he was frustrated with that town, but something I think we can see, sometimes God does something in our life. He gives us fresh clarity. He gives us fresh focus. And we want to just go back to be with the same people we were always with. The ones we were dependent on, the ones that we leaned on, the place that we always knew. And he's saying, don't go back to that place. You got to go somewhere new. Because remember, all, everything he knew was back in that town. And Jesus is saying, I've got something. You need to go to a new place. And this is where we are as a church, guys. This is why next week we're refocusing and relaunching because God has already started to do new things on our staff. He's already started to do new things in the way that we think and we pray together. And what we could do is just say, okay, we're going to kind of be like that church we used to be. And he's saying, you did that already. You live dependent on those things. Don't go that way. Go this direction. And I think he's saying the same thing for some of you guys. So ask yourself today, on my journey of faith, where am I at? Right now, am I in a place of darkness where I don't even have any vision at all? I need to submit and surrender my whole life to Christ. Am I living with blurred vision? Like I know what God has for me, but I'm just, things are a little blurry. Or maybe you've got concise clarity. This is where I want to go. Share that with other people. Come see pieces of their puzzle that they're not seeing yet. Help other people along the way. God surrounded us with folks so that we can do life with others. As a church, I believe next week we have some concise clarity that we want to share with you guys. As a church, God is leading us into a new season. Fresh vision, new clarity, restored purpose, a new name. And I want you all to be here next week as we express those things. And here's what I want. 
I don't want any of us to be the village that we have to leave behind. I want to take you guys with us where God wants to lead us on the next path of this journey. I want all of us to have a new clarity and a new vision to say, okay, I see where God is taking us. And next week, you may be like that first touch where we say what we want to be and we express the new name and you'd be like, seems a little blurry to me. Just keep coming back to Jesus and ask him, okay, touch me and give me clarity for this place that I call my church home and help me to walk with it. I'm excited about what's God doing because at first, when he even started speaking to our team and our staff about some of the things that he wanted to do, at first it seemed we could see. It was like, okay, we felt like we were living in the darkness. There was a lot of pain and strife and just struggles and, and we seemed like we'd come out of that. There was some, there was some vision, but there still wasn't clarity and then there was a moment of prayer that brought complete clarity to where God wants to take us. And so next week, we're going to share those things. But more importantly, I want you to know that in your life, God doesn't want you to live in the blur. He wants to bring clarity.